0: The big idea for week two in our Genesis series with the pioneers then is this. God creates a physical home for the physical humans to flourish in. He makes the humans in his image, in the image of God as male and female. And God enters into his rest on the earth with them. This is the second recording of our Genesis series overview for the Pioneers on a Tuesday. Uh, This week we're looking at Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 to chapter 2, verse 3. Um, This will be very brief, not many verses. We covered a lot of ground last week. Um, And if you like, this is part B (laughs) uh, to last week's lesson, part A. If you like, um, so what we looked at last week was setting us up for what we uh, look at this week. So it's. I think it's important to state that at the beginning so that we connect what we look at this week with what we started last week. So what did we see last week? Um, we considered the fact that God is speaking to his people, his children, Israel. Uh, this is an ancient text that was written for an ancient audience. We need to step into their world in order to understand this passage as opposed to... Um, Projecting all of our own issues, questions, ideas, understandings of the world as we live in it now. Uh, We need to be very sensitive uh, to the original author's intentions. It's been written a very particular way, with a very particular purpose. And we need to be careful to follow its purpose rather than giving it our own. So, uh, we remember this is written to the children of Israel. Jesus accredited this uh, book. Uh, these writings to Moses, so that's who we'll refer to as the author, is Moses. Not that he definitely wrote this, uh, but he almost becomes the representative because he received the law uh, on Mount Sinai uh, from God. So, a little bit of context again. What did we think about last week? Whether you discussed it with the young people or not, it might be worth sort of addressing this week or just touching on, if uh, if you haven't done already is that the children of Israel are in the midst of cultures who have their own gods and their own creation stories. And what we looked at and thought about last week was that what the Bible wants to teach us is the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, the Jewish God, the God of the Bible is a standalone creator. He wasn't competing with any other gods or any other higher powers. This wasn't an accident. Um, This was a purpose-filled design, just want something on eBay, get in. So our God, the God of the Bible then, creates out of his own free will, his own desire for his own purposes, and last week what we saw him create then was the heavens and the earth, everything in our physical world, the physical part matters, that's not an incidental uh, detail, God creates the physical world and he creates it crap, basically. He creates, it's formless, it's void, it's um, filled with water, it's uninhabitable. That's a detail that is very intentional because what it now wants to show is that God is going to craft something that is primed for life, where life will flourish, where it like there's an abundance of life beginning to emerge. We were saying in our group last week, if we were to leave the earth, if our own sort of selfish um, and lazy human tendencies was just to sort of leave the earth, I should have read this stat before I started speaking, but scientists say, don't they, it wouldn't take very long for the earth to almost just repair itself, for the earth to just keep on sort of growing and outgrowing everything that we've been putting into it and putting on it and extracting from it. It finds its own sort of balance again. God's created something which is vibrant, which is filled with life. So that's what he was doing last week. The question we should have been thinking about, or we should be asking, we want, our, we want to help our young people ask and think about is, what's this all building to? What's this all for? What's the purpose of this creation? We've, we've established that God isn't competing, that this isn't an accident. So if he's doing this on purpose, what is the purpose? Last week then we saw him take that lump, that empty wilderness, the uninhabitable space, craft it into something brilliant and we saw the ordered space, didn't we? So The first three days he creates the space, the places now which will become habitable for life. In the second three days he now begins to fill those habitable spaces with the life. So we can see order, we can see process. And by the way, I think that's the point of chapter one rather than scientific fact obviously what's it all building to what's the apex of this creation what's the purpose of this creation that's what we look at uh, this week there's only a few verses let me just read them so if you're listening to it you can just follow along verse 26 then god said so he's been speaking all the way that's how his creations come about john chapter one should be ringing in your ears at that point but then god said let us make mankind in our image in our likeness God saw all that he had made and it was very good and there was evening and there was morning the sixth day so then the heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array by the seventh day God had finished the work he'd been doing so on the seventh day he rested from all his work then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it he rested from all the work of creating that he had done so In a sec, then we'll just go through verse by verse and pluck out like the big meaning from uh, these verses. So let's just go through verse by verse. Verse 26, the first couple of verses are going to be where most of the kind of thinking through will come, I think. Um, Yeah, so let's just go through. Verse 26, so God says, Let us make mankind in our image and our likeness so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and in the birds of the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God's saying, let us make mankind in our image. I think at this point, it's probably not worth going into the us and the are. I'm very confident, but for the sake of keeping this podcast relatively short, I won't go into why, I'm confident that this isn't a Trinitarian thing. This isn't Father, Son and Spirit talking to one another. I don't think the author would have had any concept of that. Uh, The children of Israel certainly wouldn't. Um, We're looking at Job at the moment and we see um, God in his heavenly courtroom, we see how he holds counsel. And in Genesis chapters 1 to 11, this counsel are going to keep emerging that God is speaking to those in his presence. Um, it needs far more explanation. Ultimately, I don't think we know exactly who it is. It's fairly ambiguous, but again, it's a question prompter. I think what it's doing at a very early stage is showing us pre the serpent that's about to appear. There's more going on than just this scene there's other things happening and there's other things happening in a realm that isn't the physical heaven and earth that God has just created. I think this is creating a bigger picture for us. It's showing us that there's there's something more, there's something other and it's not just us and God. There are other powers, there are other forces, there are other characters at play. Um, the key obviously is that mankind who God is making, he's making in his image in his likeness, that's unbelievable. So think about what that must mean for the children of Israel. We're not just accidents who've been created as a byproduct of some galactic war, cosmic war amongst the gods, rather. God has intentionally created and crafted humanity, mankind, to reflect him in some way, to be made in his image. Again, just sort of consider the, the cultures that they've lived in, that we live in, that have set up and erected images of the gods, statues of the gods. the word image here is translated to selim again appears all the way through the, the Bible in different contexts um, Nebuchadnezzar sets up a selim, an image of him when and makes everyone want to bow down to it. The other gods had images. God is saying I've crafted an image. <laughs> it's you, it's humanity, it's mankind. When we get to the commandments, what does it mean to make a graven image? Why is it? Th- um, why does God forbid it? Because I've made images that reflect me. It's you. <laughs> now, we need to think about what it means to be made in the image of God. One of the things that these verses show us is it's about having authority over the rest of creation. So I think more so than just having a soul or a spirit, I think it is that, but I think it's more than that. It's that we are the physical representation now Of God on the earth we have the the rule and dominion of this earth that's been granted to us by God it's a role it's a responsibility to be God's hands and feet on the earth the physical representation of a spiritual God when we get to the New Testament we see don't we that Jesus is the perfect image he reflects God in human form his hands and feet on the earth perfectly just as we were created to be so it's a picture that's showing the value then that God places on us, the the prominence that we hold in the midst of everything that God has created. We are the focal point. We are the reason why God set about creating. Like, that's amazing. Our young people then need to see the value that is placed on them by God. We're made in his image, not that we acquire it in time, not that we grow into it, not that it's something that we... Um, can have partially and need to work up to. Rather, God views us as his image bearers, as separate from creation. He loves us. Now, we're going to draw that out as the lessons go on, but I think that's one of the big things to just really, really think about. Verse 7, God created mankind in his own image, so we are set apart in the rest of creation. Everything that's created, get that? That's massive. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Straight away then, this is going to be interesting for our young people and we need to state it. Our gender is significant to God. He has made us male and female. That's a big lesson for us to to have to chew on and to stew over and to think about. Now, I don't want to go into all the ins and outs of that. I just want to state it so that we can discuss that with our young people, give them an opportunity to speak into it, see what they think of that, how they feel about that, give them an opportunity to speak into it. The thing, though, that's very, very clear is we have intentionally been made male and female. God has decided that and it's so important to who we are. It forms this picture of what it means to be made in the likeness of God. He's made us as humans distinct from the rest of creation. Yet within our own mankind, mold, we are split male, female, by God. That's huge. Dwell on that. Think about that. Ring me up. Give us a text if you want to discuss that more. If you've got issues, questions with that. If you haven't, you're mad. Anyway, so God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. So have babies, get to work, fill the earth with my glory, with my image, reflect in me. What we then are going to learn from the story as it goes on right the way through the law is the intention is that we fill the earth with God's glory. We reflect his brilliance in all of the things that we create, in all of the things that we produce, in all of our relationships, in the way that we love one another and serve one another. We were supposed to fill the earth with his glory as we reflect his image on the earth. By the next chapter, that's all going to go pear-shaped. But that was the intentional design. So be fruitful and have fill the earth with life. And rule over it. Rule over everything in it. So as humans, then, we're responsible for this earth, for the ruling of it. Again, God is the sovereign ruler of all things, yet what he just said to his image bearers, to the humans, I am giving you responsibility to look after this earth, bring out all of its potential and all of its life care for its inhabitants, the things in the sea, the things in the air, the animals on the land, the produce within it. Now again for our young people who were all social active, uh, social justice warriors and climate um carers, I couldn't think of a better term. It's right that we take responsibility for this planet. When we neglect it, we kill it. <laughs> It's supposed to be a place where life is abundant and flourishes, and the humans are supposed to sustain that and rule over it and help it. And what are we doing? <laughs> we're, we're obviously at this point in history, the biggest sort of issue for the climate and the earth is we're destroying it. We should take responsibility for it. Now, what are all of these different pictures and images showing us? A byproduct lesson of all of this is just realizing God really cares about the physical earth he's created. He creates physical people in his image, in a physical earth and space, and says to the humans, take care of it, the physical. (laughs) I think as Christians, and I think the way that we can teach the Bible often is always this sort of pseudo-super-spiritual way. The physical doesn't matter. It's secondary. Forget about it. It's all going in the fire, so just move on past it. Get to heaven the spiritual creepy weird bit. That'll be great then. <laughs> and God is saying, "No, I created the physical space. I created you physically with a soul, but as a physical person in a f- so that you could be in a relationship with me in this physical space and t- take take care, look after the physical world or realm. We need to stress to our young people that they matter now." their lives matter now, their bodies matter now, they need to take care of them, they need to take care of one another, they need to love one another, they need to take care of the planet and they need to take care of the things in it, it's right, this natural inclination within all of us to care about it and love it is good and we should encourage that and we should show them that that is what it means to bear the image. Now, there's a lot more to be said on that. Obviously, these things aren't of utmost importance. to humans are and their relationship with God is. But as humans, we've been given a responsibility on this earth. Fill it with life. Sustain the life. Reflect the glory of God on the earth as his image bearers. We are his hands and feet on the earth. Let's keep going down. Verse 31, God saw all that he'd made, it was very good, there was evening, there was morning, the sixth day. So then, the heavens and the earth, the land and the sky are completed and everything in them. By the seventh day, God had finished the work he'd been doing, so on the seventh day, he rested from all of his work. Here is the verse that clarifies in my mind why this isn't a factual account of what happened. Obviously, there is no need for God to rest. He's obviously not tired from all that he's done. He obviously need, didn't get to this point and just sort of drop his shoulders and think, "I'm glad that's all over." Obviously, this is a pattern. This is a framework for us. We've seen a seven-week, a uh, seven-day week modeled for us, a pattern for us to follow that is ordered and structured, and is good for life. Six days work, one day rest. God will command His people later when He gives the law to them. That's how their week should be structured and ordered. What we then find is, from verse, from the beginning of chapter 1, when God was restless on the earth, there was no place for him to sort of settle and rest. He was hovering. Now we get this picture of rest. He finds a home on the earth. He dwells in this physical earthly space with the physical representation image bearers that he has created. When all the work was done, man and God rest together together on the earth that he's created. So we need to see then the, the big picture of this sort of ending of the chapter, the pinnacle of everything that God has been creating as the humans. Often as Christians, we are so guilty of getting this twisted and playing it down, especially those of us who were reformed. We are depraved beyond all sort of recognition And obviously to a point that's right. We're born in sin. We're mastered by sin and we just deserve judgment and God's wrath on us. Truth in all of that, obviously, but it's so much more than that too. The point is that God's desire is to be with us on the earth. He's created us because he loves us. He's created us as masterpieces. Our young people then need to see that they have value. God created them intentionally, physically, they're not an accident they have purpose on this earth they've been created with purpose crafted by god help them see that that their maleness that their femaleness matters and is intentional and god loves it and they should bask in being either male or female uniquely and purposefully distinctly designed and created by god to be male or female now again that's going to cross into areas when we get to chapter 3 over who decides then who's male and female or whether someone has to be male or female or whether i'm a male or a female who gets to decide that we're going to touch on that later but for now it's just important to see it matters that also a byproduct of that male and female are equal there's no distinction the church has been um rightly called out on this and is guilty of missing, losing sight of this I think in so many ways, male and female God has created in his likeness there is no better <laughs> uh, no better gender one isn't better or more loved or more important than the other, young people need to hear that over and over and over and over again in pioneers so the big idea then for this week is a physical home for the whole, both physical and spiritual humans to flourish in the humans have been made in the image of god as male and female and god enters into his rest on the earth with the humans that's what the end of this chapter is presenting to us in the picture that uh, it should leave us with after um, our study this tuesday as ever then if you've got any questions, if there's uh, anything that I can kind of help discuss, that'll be good. Obviously we're going to meet uh, this week, Saturday morning, so uh, I'm sure we can go through a lot of that then. It's probably pointless recording this actually, because we'll chat about a lot of the stuff that we've chatted through. But anyway, it might be a little, uh, might be good for you to sort of think through before we meet, so we can cover a little bit more ground. Hope you're all okay, and yep, see you Tuesday.